Okay. And so on the right there, it's like, you know, do you listen? Do you follow, you know, the apostolic teaching? You know, and what's difficult now is that we have, because we're sinful people, and we're reading this text from, you know, minds that are not fully there, you know, we're trying man's best efforts to understand what the truth was that was written, you know, 2,000 years ago. You know, and so the church historically has done a, in many areas, a good job, and also in many areas we've done a horrible job in in believing and practicing the truth. But what he's saying is saying, hey, um, those who are of God um, listen to us. They listen to the truth of the Scriptures. And so we, we, we trust and we believe in the truth of the Scriptures. It doesn't mean that we don't wrestle with the truth of the Scriptures and say, hey, this doesn't make sense. What do you mean there's a sin that I'm not supposed to pray for that leads to death, as he talks about in chapter 5? It's like, wait, wait, hold on, that doesn't make sense. Uh, there's a sin that I'm not supposed to pray for, and there's a sin that I am to pray for? That mean that everything you know that we read, that we're kind of supposed to fully understand, but that we do, we say, okay, we're, we're people who are leaning towards listening to the truth. Um, and then verse uh, 15 in this text. Um, Mom, why don't you read that? Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he is and he is God. There you go. So again, that confession, it's not just a public proclamation. It's not just this idea of, hey, yes, I raise my hand, I believe. But, it, but it's, it's aligning our, saying that our hearts agree with what is to be true about Christ. That we agree with what is to be true about Christ. Um, and then, you know, I'm going to read these next two. Um, for 151, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of him. And then we've already talked about 10 through 13, he who has the Son. So there's this right belief and growing in right belief and that we can to continue to grow in our understanding of who God is. All the while, even when we're either 32 and think that we've come such a far way, you know, or when we're 80, you know, and we've been walking with the Lord for 50 years, in our right belief, we still continue to press on. We'd be like Paul and we remind ourselves that not that we've already obtained it, you know, this is Philippians 3, not that I've already obtained it, but I press on towards the goal, you know, towards the inward calling of Christ Jesus. And so that's for both right belief and behavior. We'll never obtain perfection. But we say, hey, I'm going to press on towards the goal. And that's the striving that we should see within our lives of a continued and our right belief and right behavior. Okay, so for the second one, uh, confession of sin. Uh, chapter 1, verses kind of 8 through 10. Chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. Kylie, why don't you uh, read that? Me? Oh, sorry. Kylie? Kaylee or Kylie? Kaylee. Kaylee, sorry. Okay. It's Carly, right? Yeah, right. Carly, That's right. Kaylee. Okay. Sorry, I, I, mixed, I mixed the two. That's all right. Everybody misses that me and my daughter's name all the time. Chapter 1. Chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us, to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and the word is not in us. Okay. So one of the things 
weird to do is there would be a confession of sin. Now, from this verse, you know, there's those that have and a way that we can kind of see that it may teach something and that it doesn't. So does this mean that if we don't confess our sin on a daily basis, that He does not forgive us, and so therefore we are not cleansed from unrighteousness? So therefore, if I sin today and I don't confess my sin and I die, you know, is that sin not cleansed from all unrighteousness? It is cleansed. Huh? It is cleansed. Okay, it is cleansed. So why is that? Why? why? Huh? Okay, the blood of Christ. And so, in our lives as a believer, so with this one, I'd say where this is a test of genuine faith is that there has to be a you know, place in our life, whether it was a significant point that you, you know, were just guilt rotten with your sin and you turned to the Savior, or there was a progression of years to where, you know, you grew up in a in a home of believing parents and they kind of walked you in the truth and there was just some point in your life where there was just kind of a switch that changed. But there was this, hey, I recognize and confess that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior and therefore I'm trusting in Christ for the salvation of my sins. So if we do not do that, you know, there is a reality that we're not saved. But where this does um, act as a fellowship barometer for us as far as our closeness and our relationship with the Lord is that we need to, on a regular basis, confess openly and honestly with God. I guess really first and foremost with ourselves. Because if we're not confessing open and honestly with ourselves, we're really not confessing open and honestly with God. But confess open and honestly with God and also confess open and honestly with other people. So here's something that someone uh, shared with me a few months ago. Um, said, you know, from now to the day you die, the truth always has to be good enough. From now to the day you die, the truth about yourself, I'm not talking about holy truth, but the truth about yourself always has to be good enough. And what, what, he, what we meant by that... And, Kind of reiterate to you is that no matter how small the sin is, you know, there needs to be a fullness of confession to yourself, to God, and to others of that sin. We need to bring that sin out of the darkness into the light and saying, hey, even though it's not ugly as someone else's sin, here's some of the ugliness of my sin today, this week. And we always need to be willing to say, hey, it, this needs to be brought to the light. And no matter how wicked the sin is, no matter how far we came, we always need to be willing to say, hey, this is the truth of what happened. You know, and so whether it be with a a struggle of pornography and then you say, hey, here's what happened. This is what I did. Here's where I went. Here's how long I was on the computer. This is what happened after that. Not just I struggled with pornography this last weekend. You know, it's a fullness of confession because, again, 99% truth is still a lie. And so, for me, I went through CR regeneration um, for the past kind of year and a half, and my biggest struggle and sin in there that, that kind of was revealed to me is that uh, being someone who is good at confessing the truth, but not the whole truth. And with that, there was bondage. And then, you know, in my, in my struggle, you know, growing up, and you know, even brought into marriage, what was the struggle with pornography? And I would justify, um, you know, number of different ways of, hey, this isn't that bad, or this isn't 
this type of pornography or whatever else, but you know, sin is sin, and us being able to come before the Lord and saying, "Hey, here's what I did," and us being able to come to other people and saying, "Hey, here's here's what happened," and so whatever the sin struggle may be, you know, fill in the blank that we come to people on a regular basis and say, "Hey, here's where I fell short to be God's man, to be God's woman today," um, because in that we bring it out to the light. You know, even if it is, I've got a buddy who struggles with trusting that God is good in the midst of friends and family who have passed away. And and he, you know, coming, you know, fully into the light is saying, "Hey, I'm, I'm struggling today, trusting God's goodness." He's not to trust God as a sin. That that's sin. But it's okay. Let's acknowledge it. Let's confess it, and let's help each other. Say, "Okay, hey, that's okay." You know, let's now come back to some scripture that reminds us of how God is good. You know, let's remember the most wicked act that ever happened in all creation is the crucifixion of the Son of God. You know, but through that, God was made right and made good. And so there has to be kind of a full confession of sin. And so from now to the day you die, for all of us, the truth is always good enough. Um, walking in the light. Okay, and so this next one, walking in the light. Real quick, before we move on, I just had a question about how it was worded. When it says the truth about yourself has to be good enough, what is it? What does the good enough part mean? Oh, in that phrase. Uh huh. Yeah, is that um, the, 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 the when I say the truth is is good enough is that. Um, if I don't share um, the fullness of a sin in my life, it's because I don't feel like um, I don't feel like um, it, it, the outcome from that will be good. I don't feel like it's good enough to share, you know, that truth. So, i.e. Um, I have a fear of disappointing people. And so if other people knew what I was struggling with or how I fell, that I would disappoint them, both those who are over me, my boss, so I, you know, I work in ministry, there's people who are under me in ministry, so I feel like that I will disappoint them because of me not being the man that God's called me to be. But recognizing that that right there is, is um, keeping me from what is best in my life. You know, and so the truth being good enough is that saying that the reason why we don't confess is that we believe that there is good impartial there, there life is impartial confession, and that if I do confess, then it's going to lead to death. You know, me being less esteemed, me being less thought of, me, you know, being found out, whatever it may be. And so I'd say that's kind of that good enough is that. The truth is always good enough in life. Does that make sense? Or is there still... I told, I get what you're saying. Like, when it says good enough, is it good enough to what? Like, good enough to sh- share. Good enough to share. In its fullness. Yes. Okay. Yes, sorry. The truth is always good enough to share in its fullness. Sorry, thank you. So, from now to the day we die, the truth is always good enough to share in its entirety. In its fullness. That's because God is really like, and if you don't share it in fullness, you will be healed. You will what? 
Is that because, I mean, it's good enough because God is in your life, and if you don't share fully, then you're not really fully going to be healed or released or set free from it's a good question. that truth that you said? Yeah, that's a good question. So what I'd say is that it's not that if we don't share, we're not going to be fully appealed. All right, so Christ died for our sins, both past, present, and future. And when we trust in the cross of Christ, we are cleansed, you know, for all eternity. But um, our enjoyment of this life and us walking in the fullness of this life that God wants for us and not feeling like if we got a letter in the mail that says, I know what you did, we would wallow and try to figure out, oh my gosh, did this person see me at this place or did they see me do this thing or not do this thing? Did they see me drive past the homeless person? And, you know, I mean, whatever I mean, whatever it may be, whatever, like, is our mind going to wander? And when we walk in the light, we're free from that. You know, I love Todd. He shared he shared this a couple times, but a couple years ago, he got a letter in the mail that was anonymous and said, "Hey, I know what you did, and I can't believe it." And Todd said he got it, and he looked at Alex, his wife, and he said, "Alex, this letter in the mail." And, and he said, he kind of looked. She's like, "I don't know. I don't know." Threw it away and threw it in the mail, or threw it away in the trash. He's like, "Hey, I don't, I don't need to worry about that. Like, I, I'm confident that I'm walking in the light, that I'm fully known." And so, it's not that if you if there is something in our lives that is hidden, that it's not going to be forgiven when we stand before the Father, but we're missing out in the life that God wants for us right now. He wants us to walk in freedom of truth and freedom of spirit that we can walk and say, hey, you know, yes, I, I, I sinned last night, I sinned ten years ago, here's what happened. You know, if, it, if it's known, I can say, yeah, that's, that's what happened, that's me. I think for a lot of us within the church, um, we are the woman at the well who's caught in adultery and we have seven husbands and we walk with the Lord for seven years and someone walks up and it's like, aren't, weren't you that woman at the well? It's like, oh, no, no, no. That was that was the old me. You know, here's the new me who's just, you know, I serve and I read my Bible and I do all these different things. And when we have tendencies to live like the woman at the well used to live, we hope that no one finds out because that we don't want people to know us as that person, and we want them to know us as, you know, Susie Q. Christian, who's looks good and life is good and everything's all right. Um, but what we have to just remind ourselves is, yeah, that's I'm the woman at the well. I'm the leper with all these sores. Like I was the blind man who Jesus healed. You know, and he didn't just heal me, then he continues to heal me. And whenever I have tendencies to go back there, you're right. Like it's just almost an open confession of left to myself, I'm going to do these different things. And apart from the work of the Spirit in my life, you know, that's not going to happen. And so that's where the confession of sin uh, comes in. It gives us freedom as we walk in this life. And that's why I said with both of these tests, these are tests of, um, of genuine faith. But also, you know, of the fullness of life of what God wants for us. If I'm not confessing my sin, is it? Or if I don't believe that I'm sinning in this particular area, does that mean that I'm not a believer? Maybe. But but I know that the, you know you're not walking in the fullness of what God wants for you, and that's what I'd say for all these tests. You know, as we go through these, and kind of uh, our time's creeping up on us. Um, so what I'd say for all these, as we're looking through these, um, for our lives, and also as we look at other people's lives, it's like, hey, this person was in the church 
and they stop doing these different things, you know, are, are, do they lose their salvation? Absolutely not. Paul, John, Jesus, once saved, always saved. That is the gospel truth. You cannot lose your salvation. And so what are our other two options for when we walk away from the Lord or we see other people walk away from the Lord? The only two options are is that um, either uh, they were never a believer, they were people who professed to be followers of Christ but never possessed the truth of the Holy Spirit with inside of them, or they, they are a believer who's been deceived by the deceitfulness of sin. And they have been pulled away um, from... from uh, you know, I'm going to go ahead and pass out these two right here. These probably won't uh, kind of... Some of these won't transition. These are two other handouts. And some of the stuff that I'm sharing is on this handout over here. And so when we come across someone or in our own lives... You know, here's the, here's the thing, and this is on this outline over here, um, is that if someone is not walking with the Lord, the only two options are, you know, like, like I'm saying, that they, they, they've left the church. You know, I mean, they, you know, it's not just, hey, I was struggling, I still can't fight this... Um, the sin of fearing what people think of me or body image or people pleasing. Like, we're always going to have these tendencies in our lives that we continue to struggle with. Um, then that sometimes are specific for us. You know, and so sometimes we may continue for the rest of our lives, continue to struggle with this disbelief that God can forgive us for these different things. There's kind of these sins that we kind of continue to struggle with. You know, and for some of us, it may be control or feeling like we need to control a situation, you know, financially or safety-wise, or we need to make sure we have all of our ducks in a row, and if they're not, you know, we're fearful that the whole world's going to fall apart, or it may be lust, or it may be, you know, fill in the blank, and that we always, like, we always tend to kind of go back that way. It's not what John's talking about, that, hey, we should question ourselves. That's when we continue, but even in those moments... This is the solution for all of these, whether we're going back to those old sins or we're kind of we're leaving the faith or we see other people that have just kind of checked out. Um, we shouldn't spend a whole lot of time trying to dis- determine were they really saved? Were they not? Are they not saved? Whatever else, because God knows. And there's really nothing. Um, and, and even for the person who is lining up with all these different things, there's a reality that someone could be doing every single one of these tests and not be a believer. Because you can just you can be a Pharisee and just do the things and not be a believer. You know, and so within those, the solution for all these things is the same. When someone is walking away from the Lord or living in sin, um, and I put that on uh, the applications handout on the I think it's kind of the back page of it. You know, our assurance um, kind of says there are two main tests for the believer, you know, questions for the believer, and it says when someone is believing or behaving wrongly. Um, so kind of in that fill in the blank right there on the last page. Ultimately, the solution is the same. Okay, ultimately the solution is the same. We should call them to repent of their sins, to turn to the Lord, believe, trust, have faith, and follow Him. 
you know, so as we look at all these different tests and we kind of talk about them, you know, what we want to come back to is the solution for all this is the same. And one of the things we can kind of be assured of, and I kind of wrote some of these down, is that when someone you know, isn't following Christ, you know, we, we can be confident that they're, they're not pursuing heaven with us. And so, what, what I, so kind of a typical situation is as I run into a young adult or, you know, one of my old Bible study guys from K-Life, I did youth ministry for a couple of years, or a friend or family, and, and they are not practicing right belief or right behavior. You know, so one of the questions is like, how am I supposed to, I, like, the Bible says don't judge yes, you, unless you be judged. You know, and so... In situations, we don't look at people and kind of have a checklist and say, going to hell, going to heaven. Hell, hell, heaven, 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 maybe 50-50. You know, that's not the purpose of here. Like, ultimately, our desire is that people have life, eternal life, and eternal life starts now. Jesus said in John 17, 3, this is eternal life, to know the one true God and His Son whom He sent. And so... We just don't want people to have fire insurance so when they leave this earth they can live however they want and then enter into glory um, because there's not really evidence of that happening within the Bible that people just saved and they go, you know, live like hell and then, you know, but they can rest assured of their salvation. You know, our assurance is a continued active growing belief and growing behavior. But whenever we or others, you know, fall to the wayside or kind of aren't following that, you know, I have a conversation uh, with, with one of my guys. He, he's a freshman in college now. Um, and just some of the things I, I, we can confidently say when we're talking to them is that, hey, I, I don't know if you are saved or you're not. You know, the, the Lord knows. But I mean, I, I can be confident that you're, you're not pursuing heaven with us right now. Like you are not pursuing the kingdom of God currently in your life. Um, you're not walking with Jesus. Like you are not taking up your cross and following Him. Um, you are not loving, trusting, and depending on God. Um, you know, and so we, we can be, you know, we can look at someone's life and say, hey, that's just not evident. Um, and, and for the believer, there should be kind of a, a, a conviction in our heart that kind of makes us go, Yes, you're right. Thank you. Or, you know, you're right, but just this sin is, I enjoy it too much. It's like, okay, you know, you can continue doing that, but it's going to lead to death. It's going to lead to death in your life. And I'm not saying death, hell, just saying it's going to be a removal of life. And that's what this kid said. He said, hey, I know, but I like hanging out with these friends. I like, you know, drinking and smoking pot. And, and for me, I was like, hey, the issue isn't you drinking or smoking pot. The issue isn't pornography. The issue, the issue isn't sexual morality. I mean, it's that, that you're not enjoying the life that God wants for you. And so you continue doing those things, but I can tell you right now, it's going gonna, it's gonna to leave you empty inside. And then with that same person, say, hey, I want to call you back to repenting from those things, trusting in the Lord, depending on the Lord, and, and walking with Him. You know, Jesus looked at the blind man, the sinners. He says, okay, the woman at the well, hey, stop sinning and follow me. You know, be healed of your your blindness, your lameness. Pick up your pallet and follow me. 
You know, so that's what we call people to. I mean, we don't want to spend too much time trying to figure out, are they saved or are they not? But when we look at these tests, we can say, hey, you know, these people aren't, they're not walking with Christ. And, uh, and I think one of the things that John wanted to do is he didn't want to give... So here's kind of one of the things, is that when someone is living in sin, we don't want to, ourselves... Whether it be a loved one, so I, I pray that my little Davy, our little Davy, you know, never has a season of just chasing after the world and not trusting Christ. I pray that that never happens. That we pray uh, regularly that she comes to know and love the Lord on a regular basis at an early age, and that she walks with Him all of our days, and that she can be a testimony that says, "I've walked with Jesus from when I was eight years old, and He's never failed me." You know, he's never. I've never thought that I needed life in X, Y, or Z, and he's never failed me. He's batted a thousand in my life, and she would be a testimony that way. Um, but if for some reason, whether she hasn't trusted Christ and she goes after the world, or it seems like she has trusted Christ and there's like evidence of faith, and then she goes and chases after the things of the world, whatever it may be, it's not. What we don't want to have happen is this assurance of someone who was a believer or seemed to be a believer it doesn't we don't want to cause that assurance of their past to make us um, kind of uh, just do nothing in the present to where we look at someone and say hey they're living this way they're believing this way they're acting this way and therefore you know what they've got their card in their bible that they trusted Christ at 11 and so let's just let them sow the royal oats, you know, and kind of do their thing for this season. They'll come back to God, you know, when they get older. You know, it's at those times in life that we that we pray earnestly for them to come back home. That we pray earnestly for the Spirit to convict them. Whether they're saved or not saved, that the Spirit will convict them of their sin and help them to trust in God. And that we pray earnestly that um, they would trust in, in the truth of the Father. And then from there, kind of going on from there, um, we, we, we continue to engage in conversation with them. So there's a number of folks that I know that, that, aren't, that are lost. And you know, some of them will say, hey, you know, yes, I am a Christian. Some of them, no, I'm not a Christian. And the same is true for, for all of those. You know, whether you claim to be a Christian or not, it's like, hey, you know, this is the truth of, of who God is. This is what we're to trust in. This is how we're to live. Um, and you claim to be a Christian, but here are some things that aren't evident that are, are to be evident and normative for the believer. Um, and so we, we call them back to truth. Um, and so that's... Um, that's kind of the that was kind of be kind of an end capstone, but I didn't want to leave because I think kind of interweaving right just in the confession of sin if we're not confessing, and then also this idea and you can kind of go back and look at these walking in light, living in love, you know. So with all of those, and we're not going to go back through each one of those individual texts, but with each one of those, if we're not walking in light, or we see people not walking in the light, we're to call them back to that and recognize that when we are walking in light. Um, those are evidences of our faith. When walking in love, those are evidences of our faith. 
and I kind of broke them down on that Excel sheet so you can kind of see how they're a little more broken down. And to explain that to you guys, the negative is sometimes it kind of shows a test as a negative, like uh, for biblical belief, hey, if you're denying the Father, you know, you can see that um, that's kind of a, a sign that they're not saved or they're not walking with the Lord. They're confessing the Father. You know, that's kind of why they have, there's a negative column and a positive because some of them just have one or the other. Um, and so what I want to uh, do just in these next few minutes, and I don't want to, we've got an evaluation that I definitely want to, we'll kind of probably end at uh, 10 minutes at 11.30, so you can fill out these evaluations, um, and so we're just kind of always trying to see, you know, how can we be more effective with our training days, and then as you're filling those out, after you fill them out, uh, we can answer any questions you'd like to talk about. But one of the things I want to do that I don't think... Do y'all have a part on y'all's handout that says, yeah, the test of assurance and other scriptures? It's right underneath the test of assurance. Here's kind of some of the ones that that I want uh, um, to kind of uh, give you guys to to kind of write down. Because this isn't just a uh, John-esque type theology. You know, Jesus talks about this also. That the really, really polarizing, hard scriptures. That it's like, wow, like, okay, how does this line up with this whole justification of faith that I really liked hearing? You know, just believe and be saved. Um, and I think what Jesus was doing is, hey, here's evidence of right belief. Is what Paul is saying. Um, so John chapter fifteen. Uh, John chapter 15, you'll see there's kind of this evidence of um, he who abides in me and I abide in them, they will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus says, anyone who doesn't abide in me and doesn't bear fruit, he will be thrown to the fire. You know, and so I don't think he's talking about there's some believers who aren't abiding in me in their life and they're going to be disciplined or thrown into the fire of hell, I think Jesus is saying, hey, especially as he's talking to the Jews, that the Jews were to be a part of the initial tree and they were to be branches of this olive tree. And what Jesus is saying in another scripture, um, you know, if you also want to write down Matthew chapter 7, um, there's like four different kind of tests and situations, stories that Jesus says in Matthew 7, you know, 13 and 14. There's two roads. There's a wide road and a narrow road. Two trees. There's a tree that bears good fruit, and there's a tree that bears bad fruit. You will know what the tree is by what kind of fruit it is. it has. You know, and, and what's the fruit of the Spirit? What's the song? Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know, so fruit isn't talking about you're leading people to Christ. You know, sometimes we say, you know, there's evidence of fruit in someone's life because they're making disciples. Well, no, the fruit of the Spirit is kind of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control in our lives. So there's two trees, and Jesus says, hey, you'll know them by their fruit. And there's two people. Verses 21 through 23. This is a big one. It says, hey, there will be some who come to me. This is Matthew chapter 7. And say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not know you? Did we not do things in your name? He says, hey, I never knew you. 
And so there's both professors of the faith and people who are possessors of the faith. So um, there's there's uh, tests of assurance in other scriptures. And so Matthew chapter, John chapter 15, Matthew chapter 7, um, and so there's like four of them there. And then there's two houses. You know, there's the man who um, didn't have confidence in Christ, and there's a man that did have confidence in the Christ. And so when the wind and the rain came, it was made evident one person's house stood, the other person's house collapsed, and great was his crash. And I don't think Jesus is talking about kind of a, a like a a deeper fellowship and understanding of of Him. He's talking about, hey, those who are saved and those who aren't. There's evidence within their life. Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 17. Talking about confession and repentance. Um, Matthew chapter 25, 31 through 46. The sheep and the goats. It says, hey, on the great day of judgment, Jesus says... Um, all people will be gathered to me, and I'll separate them from the sheep, from the goats. So all of them were there; they were part of the flock, quote unquote. But we're going to we're going to separate the sheep from the goats, and those who are the sheep were those who um, visited me when I was in prison. They clothed me when I was naked. They fed me when I was hungry. They took care of me when I was sick. And they said, Jesus, when we, did we do this? And he said, when you did these to the least of these, you did these to me. And the goats, he'll say, be cast out to utter darkness. You didn't take care of me. You didn't feed me. You didn't clothe me. You didn't visit me in prison. And so what we don't want to do, you can't, I mean, is take Matthew 25 and say, okay, I have to do these things to be saved. No, Jesus is saying, hey, though, just like John, those who are saved... <coughs> There's evidence in their life, a growing evidence in their life, that they have love for people. Okay? Philippians 2, 12-13. Paul says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What? Like Paul was just saying earlier that... You know, we're saved by grace. You know, it's by grace alone. We're saved. We're secure. And now he's also saying, work out your salvation in fear and trembling. It doesn't mean you work for your salvation. It's just saying, hey, you know, in evidence of your salvation, continue to grow in your relationship with the Lord and your love for other people. James chapter 2, 14 through 26. This is the whole faith and works deal. You know, those who have faith, there should be evidence of works in their life. And then Ephesians 2.10. We love quoting Ephesians 2.8 and 9. It's by grace you are saved through faith. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship created by God to do good works, which He has set us out to do. That was the MRN version, the Michael Ryan Nixon version. So... <laughs> wasn't fully quoted there, but um, we've been, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which He has set before us. Um, and so again, you see right on there, you know, remember, even after we talk about all these tests of assurance, I kind of put this in uh, blocks, remember, salvation is always by grace through faith. 
you know, in First John, it said, "He who is righteous does righteousness." We can't flip that equation and say, "He who does righteousness is made righteous." No, no. It's he who is righteous because of what Christ has done does righteousness. And so, um, I want to pass out these right here. These are the uh, evaluations. Um, and then there's some other stuff kind of on here that we didn't really get to that's on your uh, handouts. Um, that I'll go with on this handout right here, the last one that was passed around. Just kind of application and takeaways is that God is light, God is love, and God is life. That's kind of what I put there. As we look at kind of this overview of First John, we see that God is light, God is life, God is light, God is love, and God is life. And uh, like I said earlier, if we combine these as children of, I'm um, sorry, Biblical faith manifests itself in light and love and produces in us the life that God desires for us. You know, so this biblical faith manifests itself in light and in love and produces in us the life that God desires for us. Yeah, uh, biblical faith, so genuine faith, manifests itself in light and love and produces in us the life that God desires for us. So as the kind of survey is coming around, like again, like what I want to iterate as we leave is that what John, what what Christ, what the Holy Spirit, what the Apostle John, what I want um, for all of us is to have assurance of our faith. And to recognize first and foremost that the bedrock of that assurance is in the saving work of Jesus Christ. Who He is and what He's done. Who He is and what He's done. And it's evident throughout all of Scripture um, that those who are saved, the old is gone, the new has come. There is... You were once dead in your sins, as it talks about in Ephesians, but now you've been made alive in Christ. And those who are of Christ should walk as Christ walked. Now, is the power of the gospel and the power of grace able to save us no matter what we did last night or what we did ten years ago or what we will do in the future? Absolutely. Absolutely. But that does not give us a license uh, to live in sin. Um, and you know, on this, one of the things that I, that I gave you that are really good, and I asked all these questions on this last one, the tests for the believer uh, from from John Piper. Um, and he's got a sermon series that you can look up online, you know, on the book of First John. Um and so it's really, really great. And so right here, just kind of questions you know, for the believer. Like, do you love to read and hear the Word of God? You know, do you love to continue? And it, now, it doesn't mean that if you go through a season that you don't, that you throw your hands up in the air and say, woe is me, the Spirit must not reside inside of me. It's when we come to the Lord and say, Lord, give me a love for Your Word. Help me to desire to spend time in Your Word. Help me to want to... Sp- 
you know, to, to hear from the truth. Yeah, but do you resound in, in hearing the Word of God taught and preached? Does your heart hurt and feel guilty when you begin to grow indifferent to the truth of God's Word? And again, these aren't, as we look at these in our lives, we don't say, fail, 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 I must not be of God. But when we answer that question and say, hey, Lord, my, my heart, our hearts can become callous to sin. You know, I think for a lot of us here in the States, like probably a sin that we've become callous to is, is just the sin of materialism in Dallas, Texas. This one? I mean, do you want to pass that around? Oh, yeah. yeah. You have it. Thank you, ma'am. Got it. Oh, yeah? But it's like, you know, how could... Like, there were many believers in the 1800s who had slaves. You know, and they said, it's perfectly okay for us to have slaves. What, what, there's nothing wrong with this. And we look back 200 years and say, how did the church allow that to go on? Their hearts grew callous to what was normal in their day. And I think many years from now, there's going to be some things in our own lives that either the church 50, 100 years from now looks back on us and say, how did the church do that? You know, how did their hearts grow callous? You know, it doesn't mean that we're not saved. It just means that there's reality in, realities in our lives that sometimes we go callous to them. And that's why we need community. We need other people to live in our lives and say, hey, I think this may be something that, that kind of just there's sin in your life that you've grown callous to. Um, and so, again, there's a number of other questions that are on there. But these are just good questions to ask ourselves and also ask people that we're walking with and in life with. Um, and uh, and then as you look through those different tests, and we didn't go through all of them, kind of walking in light and living in love. That's how I broke them down. You can break them down. Uh, John MacArthur has 11 tests that he pulled from First John. And he kind of broke them down even more. You can kind of just uh, do what I did as I was studying this passage and uh, look up on Google, uh, you know, the, the assurance of salvation in First John, and get a whole bunch of stuff. But remember, you may not, you may get something you don't agree with, or that sound doctrine doesn't agree with. So you always got to be careful with what you find on the internet. Um, I want to give you guys uh, a few minutes, so please do don't don't fill it out and rush off. We really would love your feedback. Um, I'm not going anywhere. If you have someone in childcare. Um, just to let you know, uh, you know, we've seen them have had the child children out of there at uh, by three forty five or eleven forty five. Three forty five, yeah. Eleven forty five. Yeah. But guys, thank you for coming and be a part of this. Um, thank you. Great. Yes. Great. And uh, would love to answer, stay and answer any questions that can for you. If I don't know the answer, you know, we can both try to go figure out and uh, let each other know. Well, I had a discussion last night with my father. Um, I was talking about, well, it's just like you said, if you're a believer, you should do certain things that mm-hmm. walk in a certain way. Um, because he's kind of like one of those guys, well, I've been saved, and so mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if I said, you know, if I have assurance that I'm, I'm getting it, you know? Mm-hmm. 
and I just, I don't know. I mean, I know it says that if you believe, if you accept and believe, then you'll be safe. But I still just don't understand how people can not live good and righteous, and then and they still believe that they're safe. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they're. So, anyways, we had a discussion about it last night, but I, is that deep? Yeah, do you run into that? Do you think that that's? I just don't think that. I know it says that if you believe that you're saved, then, then you're saved. Mm-hmm. But I still think you have to live your life right, right? So you can't just live like yeah. crap and then expect to. I don't know. Yeah, and so what we have to do is say, okay, what does it again? What does it mean to believe? Um, so. My dad, um, sure you share this as well. Like uh, he um, grew up in the Catholic Church, um, and as we talked, he always believed in God. He always believed in Christ. Um, but but it wasn't until later on in life, when I was around sixteen or seventeen, um, and he was fifty something, that he trusted Christ. You know, and, and even after he trusted Christ, he kind of talked about, hey, I always was a believer. In, in our minds, what does it mean to be a believer? I believe, you know, the, the classic example is I, I believe in this chair. I believe it's red. I believe it's made of plastic. I believe it has not really four legs, but two supports. And I also believe that if I sit in this chair, it will hold me up. But right now, I am not getting rest from this chair. Like, this chair is not giving me rest. And so, in, a, in an intellectual mindset, you can believe in Christ and who He is and what He's done and intellectually believe that all those things to be true. And remember, James says the demons believe and shudder. The demons believe they have a better understanding of the truth of who Christ is than we ever will on this side of glory. But... Biblical belief is saying, okay, not only do I believe in this, but I'm going to trust. I'm going to, to depend on this chair to give me rest. I'm going to believe in the cross in such a way that I trust in it. And so for my dad, it wasn't until later on in life where he trusted in Christ and said, okay, I'm going to repent of some of these the ways that I'm living and, and turn to God. So I think for a lot of people who grew up in the church, that that is their their story of, you know, even for those who say, yeah, I I walked down an aisle, I prayed a prayer. Like, the the prayer doesn't save us. And even I believe doesn't doesn't save us. What saves us, again, is Christ and what he's done on the cross and his grace. And that's why, I mean, a passage that I... And so we have to take all of the New Testament when it says... What does it mean to be saved? Um, in uh, Mark chapter, I think it's 18, or Matthew chapter 18, it says, unless you become like one of these, and he's, he brings children to him, he says, unless you become like a child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And that's, that's a serious verse. This is heaven or hell. Like, unless you become like a child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. You know, and so what, is that, what does that mean, to become like a child? Does it mean intellectually be... You know, stupid, and just kind of have a blind faith, or what is it about a child um, that kind of helps us relate to this understanding? And you know, having a child, you know that they depend fully on their parents for life. They trust their parents for life, and without their parents, 
you know, even though they don't, they can't articulate, I need you for food. They know, especially for a baby, and there's nursing with her mom. Like, she depends on that mom for nourishment, for life. And so, unless you become like a child, depending on their parents, you cannot have eternal life. Unless I depend in this chair for rest, I'm not trusting in this chair. You know, and so then also we have to not just say, okay, whoever believes shall be saved, but then also say, what does the Bible say? It's the same thing, like, he who has the Son has life. He who believes shall not perish but have eternal life. What does it say about those who believe? And that's where we go through the rest of the book of 1 John. It says, this is how you know of those who believe. They walk in the light. They confess their sin. They love their brothers. Um, you know, they when they have the world's goods, material possessions, and they see a brother who is in need, they, they help them. There's a desire to do that. When we, when we sin against the Lord, when there's an indifference to a relationship with God, you know, the Spirit pricks our heart and says, hey, and it returns us back to the Lord. And so a big question for a lot of us isn't, you know, many of us want to hold up that card of, I believe, and so therefore I have assurance. It doesn't matter what I do. And and the Bible doesn't give us that type of assurance. Again, our bedrock assurance is on Christ and what He's done on the cross. But to understand if I am in the Son and the Son is in me, it has these secondary pillars that say, that don't save us, but are evidence. And that's, where, that's why when I gave you those other ones, Jesus says, you will know them by their fruit. You know, Jesus says, a new commandment that I give to you is that you love each other. By this, the whole world will know that you are my disciples, by the way that you love one another. And so, and, and there's, in the Bible also, there's not, there's not Christian and then a disciple of Christ. You know, in in the American church, we've said, okay, and the reason why we've done this is there's a whole bunch of Christians who have believed and they live like hell. And it's like, okay, well, don't just be a Christian, be a disciple and study your Bible, know your Bible, learn, like, love God, love people, share share the gospel, do all these things. And, And Jesus doesn't allow that, and John doesn't allow that. He says, hey... You, what it means to be a believer is you take up your cross and you follow me. You repent of your sins and you run after me. You abide in the truth. You bear much fruit. It's not people who have finished Quip Disciple 5, you know, are those who bear fruit. It's like, no, no, no. You came to know Christ. Like, remember what Jesus said to the blind man? You know, he said, hey, you know, you go and, and tell them what happened. And blind men didn't have to worry about, well, what if they asked me all these questions, which they did. You know, they asked him questions about, you know, who is this man? Where did he come from? What did he do? And, and the blind man was just like, hey, I don't know. All I know is once I was blind, and now I see. So many times now we feel like we need to be trained to share our faith. And it's like, no, 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 you trusted Christ, and so go and tell the world what he's done for you. And if they ask you a question you don't know, it's like, I don't know. You know, okay, what... How does how can a loving God let evil things happen? I don't know, but all I know is I was stuck in my sin and in my disbelief, and He saved me, and He's changing my life, and I have trusted in the grace of God. 
you're crazy. That's so stupid. That's an old religion. Like, don't you know that science does? Don't you? I mean, it's like, don't you know that science proves this and that and the other? It's like, okay, I'm not a scientist. I don't know everything about that. I don't. I wasn't there when the world was created. All I know is I was living in this emptiness. And then I was pointed back to the truth of the gospel that there's a God who created me and loves me and sent His only Son to die for me. And He didn't wait for me to work my way up to Him, which is religion. Christianity is not a religion to where we keep on becoming more and more perfect till we've earned the right to be with God. He said, no, in your imperfection, I'm going to die for you so that you can be back into a relationship with me. And I'm trusting in the finished work of Christ for my salvation. It's like, oh, that's crazy. It's like, maybe. You know, maybe. Um, You know, because ultimately an argument with someone about, you know, the... the Talk the case in the city. That's what it was. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. the guy that that came here. So, you know, even within that, I mean, one of the things that I love about, um, you know... People saying it's crazy, like look at all the science and what science proves. Um, you don't write, they don't write this in science books, um, you know. But a scientific fact, when someone says this is a scientific fact, all that means is that that is the um, accepted theory of the day. It was scientific fact um, in in Einstein's theory of relativity. Well. Now we don't see that, you know, scientists don't see that as a scientific fact. So now they have quantum physics, and there's these other things that help help us try to understand how does this universe work, and how does everything happen. But quantum physics is too hard for people in school to understand, so we're going to still consider Einstein's theory of relativity as fact. And so all, you know, the theory of evolution is considered scientific fact. It's true. But scientific fact means that it's the accepted theory in the science community. But that's all that that means. And so it was scientific fact many years ago that the world was flat. You know, but now, you know, so it's kind of like all those things. So, so just like the question of, well, what do you mean by scientific fact? You know, theory of evolution. Well, I mean, they weren't there. Like, scientific fact that this... Paperclip just fell to the ground. We can all say that was true, you know. But everything else is just what's the given theory of the day, you know. Just like when someone says, "Hey, I, I believe," and I'm a believer, I'm a Christian. What do you mean by that? Okay, help, let's make sure that when you say you're a Christian, that we're kind of believing the same thing, you know. So that's why people, I tell people, I'm a, I work at a church, or I'm a pastor. They're kind of like, oh. And so that's when it's like, okay, wait, what do, you, what do you mean? What do you think I mean when I say that? Or, I'm a Christian. Oh, you're one of them. It's like, you know, what do you, what do you believe that means when I say that? And that's always just an important thing for us to help. Let's just make sure we're, our lingo is the same. That's what gets many people tripped up. Um, I was talking to a guy on Tuesday night, um, and he said, you know, yes, I believe, you know, in Christ, but... For other people and other religions, they can believe whatever they want to believe. Like, their God will judge them. So I kind of pause. Hey, hold on. Like, you, you can't believe 
that Christ is the one and only God, and also believe that other people are free, or are not only just okay to believe what they believe, but when they believe what they believe, they're not going to face judgment from Christ in that. You know, those don't equal out. You can't believe that there's one true God, but then there's another God for this religion. You know, there's either one true God, or there's not. You know, either Jesus is the Son of God and there's a Trinitarian God, or Allah is God and, you know, you can't have multiple gods within their earth of three persons within the Muslim faith. So it's like, we can't coexist. I mean, we can coexist. We can't can't both be true. Let's say that. One of the things, and I'm not a science person. And then feel free, again, for everyone, like, stay as long as you want, but feel free to go as well. And... Roseanne, I want to cut you off. Before you go, just uh, if you want to, if you can just leave your uh, evaluation on the table so I can pick it up afterwards. No, go ahead. But one of the things that um, that I think is pretty cool is in Scripture when you see that Jesus turns the water into wine, um, or when He created the whole world um, in six days, that that He has the ability to make things look older than they actually are. So if He can turn water into wine, something that takes from our perspective, the scientific fact is that it takes time to turn something into wine. But Jesus was able to do it like that. So realizing that that there's not going to be a scientific um, explanation for everything because the Lord has the ability to make things look old that aren't old. Um, when people talk about how old the earth is or they see things that are millions of years old, you know, doesn't really mean that it took that long um, to do that, although science says that. But there's several evidence, several situations in Scripture where the Lord makes the new old and the old new. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, that's probably one of the the best apologetic stories. To I mean, just the idea of an older evolution, you know, whatever else is. You know, it's, it's not Genesis. It's you know, I guess John when Jesus turns water into wine, his first miracle. It's like you know, he had he made fermented the grapes that have to grow, to be squished, that to ferment, and ferment to the point where they're not only cheap wine, but they're the best wine. You know, and then he just he, he did that out of dirty hand washing water. Like kind of it's kind of. Humorous. I mean, like the water that they were using to wash their feet and their hands. Um, he took that water and made it into fine wine. We need more classes. <laughs> well, we, we all need more classes. That's it. But hey, just continue to remember, like. You're, all of us today are going to leave here and do something that does not reflect Christ. So, it, so go and don't sin. But if you sin, if you sin, remember that you have an advocate with the Father who is Jesus Christ. And then also, as you go out as ministers of the gospel and point people to Christ, you know, one, here's the last thing: like one of the things we don't want to do is we don't want to allow people to think there's something that they're not. Excuse me. What I mean by that is I would much rather, um, in a loving way, in a compassionate way, 
talk to someone who is not living Christ-like and help point them back to this is what it, this is how we should live if we are believers and this is the truth of the gospel. And when I trust in God, I can't I can't hate my brother. Like when I'm trusting in God, I can't hate someone or, or act out in hate. You know, so it's what what I don't want to do is I'd rather have that hard conversation on this side of eternity with someone and say, Hey, it, it doesn't look like you are following after Christ. I'm not saying you're not a believer. I know that you, you know, we used to go to church together, or you know, this or that. You, you don't, you don't like, you never want to read the Bible, and that that doesn't seem evident with someone who says that this is the Lord of their life and the, and the lover of their soul, and then you don't want to live in such a way that honors God. And so, just help me understand that. Talk to me about that, and be able to say in such a way like, hey, the the, the greatest thing that. The, the worst thing that could happen is for us to leave this conversation and, and me just let you um, live in something that's not true only to find out later on in life on the other side of eternity that you were one of those people that came to the Lord and said, Lord, Lord, didn't we know you? Like we, we cast out demons in your name and for Jesus to say, I never knew you. And it's evident from the Gospels that that's going to happen. That there will be people at Watermark and so that's why it's never just because someone's carrying a Bible, they're in your Bible study, they're they're at your church, whatever else. Don't ever assume someone's where that they you that you think that where they are, you think where they are. It's always let's continue to encourage each other and spur each other on towards love and good deeds.